1: Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like um polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years.
2: Hello and welcome to real adventures for b f Goodrich celebrating one hundred and fifty years in the tire industry b f Goodridge will be there to drive you on your next on or off road adventure redmond we're not too far away from the Australian Open before we get into all things fishing boating and the great outdoors um, something's been grinding my gears a little bit We've had all the um the international tennis stars come into our country which has been great i'm all for it. I think it's an important part of trying to maintain some sort of normality and that's um, hosting and providing Australian audiences with whether it be the Australian Open or the F1s or whatever it might be. We've got to try and facilitate that where we can. But what has got me laughing is some of the tennis players complaining on social media and I'm not sure whether they've read the tea leaves necessarily about sort of what the entire world... The current pandemic that everyone's going through, but probably more particularly Melburnians and the lockdowns that they've gone and through throughout 2020. I think that's been something that's been well read by, you know, some of Australia's biggest tennis stars. Well, not Australia's, the world's biggest tennis stars.
0: Good morning, Patrick. I'll a big intro before i got a word in. Yeah. Unusual. <laughs> oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, what's his name? That bloke number one or number two? What's his name? Djokovic or something? Djokovic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, well, he's only one. I'm not a massive. He's won follower. 15 Australian Open uh, <laughs> That's in the category. <laughs> that's in the category of soccer for me, tennis. But uh, I think it's great that the idea of coming here to play and uh, give, like you said, the audience something to watch. Because over during COVID, football, what you did played was save me. Like that's, I, I haven't followed a year like I've ever ha- ever have before, and I think the tennis will do the same. But shut up and do your quarantine. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on, but Dan Andrews is my man.
3: Not, oh, I, haven't, I, haven't, Dan I haven't
0: agreed with a lot of things he said, but I happened to watch his uh, press conference a bit of it the other day, and he I reckon he no, served it to Djokovic pretty good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no one follows Dan Andrews' press conferences closer than I don't than think you. I've missed one.
0: Every day, it <laughs> comes on the phone, I get the notification from the advertiser, Nine News, you name it, are you, I are get you, it.
2: Are you worried about sort of, can I go out in the boat? Can I cross <laughs> borders? you have obviously had a good little... Sort of patch of time, apart from obviously the tennis players coming, where it's looking increasingly likely that there'll be um, relaxing of the borders. Hopefully, that's what I was less sort of during the week. Essentially, litigation
0: to go through in order to cross borders. So it's all self fulfilling for you, isn't it? That was the the reason I was listening during the week was I'm just learning when I don't have to get a swab and isolate for three days to go to Eden because I'm hanging to go to the marlin. Speaking of marlin, up on the New South Wales coast, oh, my God, every Victorian is that annoyed. And, and how, Oh, the fishing is amazing. Got and they're an-
2: inshore marlin as well. So so talk us through this. Normally, when you fish offshore New South Wales, or fish New South Wales, rather, you're having to head offshore to chase these, these beautiful uh, black marlin. But at the moment, and if you watch... Anything thing that Al McGlashan is doing at the moment, there's great opportunity to catch really good-sized marlin without having to travel 45 million kilometres
0: offshore. Well, the black marlin run that's, that generally happens, like you said, Al posted during the week, uh, chasing black marlin in the... Inner reef, like you said before, you've got all the inner reefs from Bermagui. You have got the six mile reef and whatnot. It's a good place to start looking. It holds bait, so therefore, the, there's no depth that a marlin fishes off. The reason that they're usually out wide is to do with the continental shelf and the way your pressures work with your updwellings. They run off the like a, a blue marlin tends to be in the tide in the deeper side of the of the of the continental shelf, in that like can be onwards to two thousand meters. Yep. Where your striped marlin are on that inside of it. So you're talking that. Or 100 to sort of that 180 in between there, that's where you tend to start looking for your marlin, that's, if you can find water along that 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 side of the continental shelf is where you're going to find the fish but if there's food, there's no rule that a marlin can't swim any, in, in closer to eat eat the bait fish and black marlin, especially smaller black marlin and right along Sydney and the likes you're going to have your marlin push in at some point, your black marlin and they're going to feed in close you don't tend to get the numbers like you do out wide because quite often they're not stripes they, they are black marlin and Black marlin will, I guess, school up as such, but you strike marlin on the continental shelf that we're seeing off Burmee at the moment, multiple boat captures. I'm talking like four, five, six, and it's starting from uh, well above Burmaguay right down to the Eden as well. So it is all fishing red hot, and they're getting them on. A lot of people are getting them on lures as well, uh, because not bait balling as hard yet. That will come, but bringing them up on teasers, switch baiting them as well, which has been good. So, the, yeah, it's great to see that it's, it's not as a Victorian, but it is good to see. <laughs> Do you
2: reckon because of the the lack of interstate boat pressure, so really it's it's majority just the locals that are being able to fish these different locations, you're not getting as much boat pressure on the fishing, therefore they're not as temperamental when it comes to, to captures, there's not the pressure. Like we see when the, when the tuna go off around Port Phillip, all of a sudden you have, you know, a thousand boats on them and they're really temperamental. You, you you catch up to them and all of a sudden they dive back down and it's really hard fishing. So do you think we're seeing in New South Wales because there hasn't been the the allowance to be able to travel in and out and there's been so much uncertainty that it's improved the, the capture rates and your chances of actually catching fish?
0: I'm going to go with... It would have some sort of effect on it, hundred percent. But I'm going to go with no because Trapman Birmingham posted oh, last week or the week before saying that you cannot get a car park at the Birmingham boat ramp. <laughs> so you still got all the, we'll call them the New South Wales. They all of those, blo- all of those people. I think it's New South Welshman. <laughs> I like that one. I like my version. <laughs> and uh, they, he reckons it's just full. It's just, it's just people, which is good for. You got to remember these guys are affected hard last year with the fires and now COVID massively. So it's up. great to see. And and what sort of ticks me off a bit, and I'm not we're going to go into the whole COVID crap like that too much, but I think if heading, I know we whatever he wants to do, keep cases from travelling, blah blah blah. But to go to Eden and go camping at the campsite with my mates and like if you do it smart and. I don't know, there must be a way to do it. And I know he has it's lightened off quite a bit at the minute, which is really cool. But Mallacoota's fifty minutes from Eden. What's the difference between going to Mallacoota to Eden? Like I know but then I know the next question is then you go to Eden, then you go up further and Correct. it carries on. But that's just me whinging But it's it's <laughs> never it's never going to be perfect. And no. we've seen that right no. throughout
2: absolutely everything that's been sort of rolled out across the country. There's certain things that don't make sense, but it's just trying to do it as best as it can. Clearly in order to get to a stage where we can where the country can roll out this vaccine and we can slowly uh, start to work through it. Um, let's get to your week in fishing. There's been a fair bit of prep that's gone into your little uh, foray at Port Welshpool.
0: Yes, yeah, so I headed down there uh, during the week, caught up with you, had a meal with you on Tuesday and told you I'm going to go away on the Wednesday. And uh, I thought, oh, I won't end up leaving Tuesday afternoon, but I fished Wednesday, Thursday, and didn't I pick some good conditions? It was beautiful <laughs> down there. So what we did was, it's... it's what we have in Victoria and I know I talk about travelling to New South Wales and contradict myself a little bit, but what we have here in Victoria is pristine. From the New South uh, sorry, from the South Australia side of, like right along road, the beaches, everything you can do down there, Linky. I know I'm, just, I'm not talking about Victoria. I'm talking yeah, about. You yeah, really? No, listen. From New- heading about, down to Rope, New South Wales. Talk about contradicting yourself. I was going back to Victoria. It's say. a beautiful part it of it. It is world. good. What we have over that side of it, and I got, I was, I did that this time last year, and then over the straight day long weekend, and then what we have here in Victoria, I, I did. You, not many people know that. Everyone goes, oh, let's go to the dunes, or let's go to New South Wales along New South Wales coast, Port Welshpool, where I went down. If is beautiful. It is literally. Beautiful down there. We launched at uh, Welshpool in the inlet there, uh, the port, You should I should call it, and we travelled out of Welshpool and headed out, and we planned to stay on the boat overnight, and uh, Refuge Cove, which is, once again, a beautiful place. It is untouched, pristine down there, and we headed out chasing the kingfish, and we are fortunate enough to get some beautiful kingfish, but what we did was we, uh, like I said, stayed on the boat and we kitted ourselves up so I had extra fuel on the boat, made sure, uh, I didn't even get close to using my fuel on the boat but I just always, if I have 40 litres on the boat,
3: I pretty much know with 40
0: litres I can pretty much get anywhere. When I say anywhere, up to 50 kilometres travelling at a reasonable speed, I reckon I'll get no worries. So that's just to cover my backside. I'm going to review the jump pack I took as well because the jump pack I took on the boat and I know we've done this a few times but I think it's been a little while ago since we've done it. I think that's important. So I I had squid that I caught that day and the squid were a little bit tough at one one point in time. So what I wanted to do was keep the bait that I worked hard for the day before to fish the Thursday morning. So I wanted to keep my live bait tank going overnight. Yes, I turned it on to one battery and the likes, but no, I didn't have any dramas. You but always get worried, don't you? You no just do. Work. You yep. just panic. You just yep. Even in my head before I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, I need to start the boat to make sure it's running. I'm like, pretty sure I fished yesterday. Like, <laughs> <so> <laughs> it's like, it's not going to have issues. And you always do the checks that you, should. I guess you, I'm glad I do them. I, I'm glad I'm doing them because when you go on a trip and you're spending money, like not that we spent on cabins and the likes, but I still have to use fuel to get there, the ferry on the way over. i tell you what, if you want to invest in something, it's probably too late now, but that bloody car ferry, my missus <laughs> old man drives that thing back and forward and they're paying his packet, I tell you, because <laughs> I think it was 160 bucks, and that's, I think, getting looked after to get my boat. That's one way. That's just one way. One way, way with your, the with your boat and a couple of boats in, it, in the car. Like, that is expensive. Anyway, so he travelled over there and... all being looked after because you're sleeping with his daughter. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Patrick. Little shark, little fin I got. But he... um. He um, <laughs> he just said that. I've well, lost. that's true. <laughs> I it's can't true. argue with that. Hopefully, he's not listening to this show. Yep. he'd bash tonight. Yep. But uh, back to what I was You're saying, engaged. the kingfish and fishery what? is out of control. Mallacoota has been red hot on the kingfish in Victoria, Pat. It has been such fishing so well, and I know Portland, the tuna and the kingfish out of Lake Julia Percy. And the reason I say the two different places is, and everywhere in between is fishing just as good. Port Phillip Bay heads. I'll be honest, where I do boast around my a lot of my fishing has been hit and miss. Pat, I can't get a consistent two days or three days of weather. I just can't. I I was away for the only two consistent days that we've had, which have just gone by, which is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I go diving for crayfish. I've caught stuff all crayfish this year. And last year I didn't do a lot because I hurt my back. But I got a lot more than I have this year because I can't see. Just because of that easterly wind that's been... been amazing. Well, wind, your your weather. place the easterly smashes into you. You got your new windows. How are they? Well, I did laugh when you said the, the weather's been great. I tell you, it hasn't
2: been great at my house. It's been just you long would cop ago. the easterly straight terrible. into
0: your front your lawn, quite f- ferocious to be honest with you. But that wind that comes down just dirties everything up. It just gets hard. And the kingfish, we like that clean water. For some reason, we haven't had that current run down yet. I'm only getting the other day when I was out offshore. I had sixteen eight. Like, that's cold. Usually, we're at, like, 19 degrees. And people go, oh, it's only two degrees difference. That's a hell of a lot. Not only do you notice it when you're diving, you notice the fish would be noticed. For it and that's when the fish will follow that certain temperature. And Gwane comes on the show and talks about that prime 18 degrees every single week. And that's why the kingfish have been quite hard to get this year. The conditions not allowing you to get out there. The tuna have been pricks of things. That's the best way to explain it. They have not... Oh, they they will come good. I think they will come good once the temperature does its thing in a, in a month. I reckon they'll start to feed like they did last year. We'll get the consistency where we get them every single day. But they have been hard. Whiting have been amazing. They just keep getting better and better. The flathead, which people often show not a lot of interest in, they are fishing really, really well. Those big blue spots you, get, you catch while you're fishing for the whiting, and also you can target them if you head to the right spot, such as anywhere where there's a sandbar and a bit of current around Queenscliff, Flathead love the edges of the sand and the gutters. You can get up on that sandbar, drop your burley cage that you use for your whiting, that lead burley cage we talk about all the time, drop it down to the bottom, load it up with pillies, just wait 10, 15 minutes, and you'll get one flatty, and you'll get three, and you'll get five, and it won't be like red hot like you drift for them and catch small ones, but they'll all be oversized. They'll That'd be, be that 30 fish. plus centimetres, up to 70 centimetres at a time. So... they're they're really starting to come in. And I know Chris O from Gone Fishing Charters, the other day on his charter, I think on his charter, he ended up getting them 140 nice uh, sand mixed with tigers offshore. So it's great to see that whole fishery come into play. And I've got a question for you, Pat. We've had fisheries on numerous times and they've said to us, uh, squid fishing, there's more squid around than ever before. Blah, blah, blah. Biomass squids out of control. Now, do you reckon pressure has made the squid fishery? harder. Now, what I mean by that is I have never... I used to go out and go, I'm going to go get 20 squid and come in. Not talking on the eggs when they're like that. I'm talking about when they're up at the island, St. Leonard's. You can go out and get them in no time and come back at home. I, if I were squid fishing now, I'm like, I need to allocate two hours to get a dozen, half a dozen or a dozen squid. Is that... That's with a
2: mate. I think it's seasonal and also, you're basing it off where you fish, which is Fort, Port Phillip Bay. And at the moment, what we've had is really average weather. So what can you do when you've got average weather where well, you can stay in close and you can search the squid beds? Mm. So there's not as many heading offshore. Obviously, there's been a little bit of tuna fever that we've experienced down here. But by and large, you, know, you want to enjoy yourself when you go out fishing and the weather's been terrible. So I think that's had a bit to do with it. Anyway, we've got a huge show coming up. Up next, The Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips, and recipes. You're
1: listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich celebrating 150 years. It's time for the social club, and this is a question we've often been asked: Redmond, cats versus mono hulls um, from Tim Parents. I think it's Parents. Oh my God! Looks it looks all right. Tim Parents um, right. <laughs> in the market for a new boat, boys. A lot of charter boats use cats. I'm more of a mono hull owner. Have owned small tinnies. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I I think cats have their purpose. I'm not a fan of them. I get scared in them. To be honest with you, I've haven't had enough experience driving them to be comfortable with them. i I know some fantastic fishermen out there have their my, their cats and they love it. They, that's their favorite boat. But Ooh. I have been on Cassar fishing charters. Yep, Richie Abala has a, a big cat. I know some. There's a lot of respected fishermen out there that know this their stuff and they they uh. They they love their cat. They literally love their cat. But so, I
2: what are your trepidations? Well, I've had a not mate. I'm not a, I
0: had a mate buy a cat. He bought. He spent two hundred twenty thousand dollars on a cat. Yep. 000, it might even be more than that. And he sold it the week later.
2: So, for those at home listening, a cat or a twin hull boat is yep. literally a boat that has two hulls versus a mono hull, which is a a single hull. So water runs through the middle. To give you a description, if you're not sure. Yeah. Majority yep. of the time, the boats that you'll see. Anywhere and everywhere are mono hulls, but quite a few professional fishermen and the like use power cats. Yep. I owned a Markham Whaler for a short period of time. What boat haven't you owned? Well, I've enjoyed my boat. Any- anyway, <laughs> I had that for a little bit. Um, it was, honestly, it could be the most picturesque, beautiful day and we would get wet in it because it would get, the water would get sucked back in. Off the it yeah, gotcha. wasn't
0: like it was. It was a great little boat, but geez, it was wet. Well, the reason I probably should say the reason why I don't feel comfortable with them. Quite often, when you're trimming engines out, like for instance, uh, just to size, I guess put the sizes together. If I was driving a big boat, say around that twenty-four plus foot. 23 foot, like for formula or whatnot, whatever it is, big, big North Bank, I'd trim the engines out. If I've got twin engines, which you do on the bigger boats, you trim the engines out. I don't tend to use trim taps. Yep. I tend to use the trim on engines. And with your cat, you need to do the same as that, but it's the opposite. And what a cat does, so it's, you've got to do the same trimming, but it's the opposite engine that you think you've got to trim yep. to hold. The, so the hull doesn't lean in. And what the, the hull will do is one side of the hull grabs the water and the other side sort of lets go. And then it grabs again and you pulls back in like that. They travel terrific. I've seen them travel in the water. They look great. But you need to learn how to drive it. You need to, you can't just go out there and spend and buy a 30-foot Noosa Cat and expect to feel comfortable straight away. You need to learn how to drive it. They are tough to drive at the start. Uh, like I said, I'm not experienced enough to drive it, and other people are. are. I'm not. I'm not taking these. Like, just and, listen. And you've I'm not taking life on boats. I have, and I have driven numerous numerous cats. I've driven Noosa cats. I've driven Kevlar cats. And when I'm driving, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, the boat starts leaning in. I'm like, oh Jesus! Like it <laughs> on it starts to yep. go the other way. I'm like trying to work it out. So I just haven't done it enough. I'm t- saying this. So if you are out there and you are going to buy a cat and you want to spend a hell of a lot of money, please go test drive it before you did what. My mate, well, no, an associate did of mine, <laughs> uh, because he spent a lot of money. He sp- actually spoke to me about it. So, yes, they, they can be in their own little ballpark, but they are a great boat. I'm going to stick to the mono, if you ask me. <laughs> Next question is from Sam Red. What are your thoughts on
2: pre-rigged rigs, e.g. whiting and snapper rigs, like you buy off the shelf
0: versus making your own? I'm going to ask you a question back, Patrick, off the back of this. Have you ever caught a snapper or a whiting with a bit of red fluff in its mouth or in its guts? Uh, no. No, either have I. So those little red bits that you have hanging off your hooks that they cost $12 a rig for, shove them because they are crap. Yep. When I say that, they're not crap. Sorry, I shouldn't say they're not crap because they're hooks, they still work. But what happens... Here's a question, another one for you. What happens when you go deeper than five metres with colour? What's the first colour to disappear? Red. Yes. So when you've got that <laughs> little red thing that's hanging off your hook and you've dropped it for snapper in 20 metres of water or 15 metres of water.
2: Thinking it's going to work. Thinking
0: that red's going to attract that fish. It doesn't work like that as such. Yep. Uh, I always make my own rigs. I trust my knots. I trust the hook choices that I use. I know what they are. A lot of companies will go out there and, and, and not a lot of companies, some Cheap people and people trying to rip you off will put crap hooks like they might go online and buy some overseas Chinese thing they might buy five hundred hooks for ten bucks and they'll use them on their on their snatches others use fantastic quality hooks they might buy them through black magic or they might import their own quality hook which they yeah. some do but for me the snapper snatches are a gimmick for me i've never liked them everyone everyone who follows what I do pretty hard knows how much i don't like them and like I said to you before the day I catch a whiting and it has a bit of red fluff in its stomach. I'll probably start using that bit of fluff, so <laughs> that's when. Um, but like I said, you can save yourself a lot of money by making your own rigs. I find uh, when I went away on during the week to Welshpool, that night we we had a few beers. I jamo boys had a couple of beers. We rigged up our rods, talked and a bit a of laugh. Of we had a, it's fun. We had a good time. We rigged our stick baits. We rigged. Our four hundred and sixty-four kingfish rods, because they could have been pricks. You don't know what they're going to do that next day, as we know. But it's about having a bit of fun and enjoying it with the boys.
2: So, for those that aren't comfortable in tying their own rigs, what's a way in order to to get something that you can trust, but you're not necessarily buying off the sh- off the shelf, you know, Kmart pre Why a subscription to Salt
0: <laughs> No, no, I'm serious. We go through every knot that, from FG knots to uni knots to blood knots. We have we show you in depth how to do it. There's another thing called I'm going to cut myself here, but another thing called YouTube, which you can watch stuff. It, don't... Uh, you can save pre-rig knots. you got to remember, that guy that got employed at the tackle store could be the best knot tire in the world. Or he could also be... You pat, and he's tied ten knots in his life. You not, not you just don't know what you're going to get. And you, if you get a ten kilo fish, and that knot pulls off, he's looking at me with a smirky. I was trying to talk so he couldn't get a word in. You tie knots, I tie locks. <laughs> Yeah, You just go bang. <laughs> uh, we had um, <laughs> but like if you pull, if you're on a say, you get this fish, massive six, eight kilo snapper. You've never caught one before, and it comes up, and you see, oh, how cool is this? And all of a sudden. <laughs> that knot slips off that hook where the glue hasn't sat properly if they're using glue if they haven't tied it on properly and it not slips out You never forget you're gonna, yourself well you're never going to forget the tackle store either but <laughs> if you do it if you do it yourself at least you can be angry at yourself yeah. but you, that tackle store is going to cop a flogging off you Oh will never buy so just <laughs> yeah that Paul Worthing's going to kill me because uh, he's just lost 10% of his sales <laughs> sorry Paul <laughs> uh, last question uh I we to ask you or you ask me
2: no, you, you're far away.
0: Far away. It's from Mitch. Fishing for gummies at night versus day. Pros and cons.
2: Well, I've got a, a, an easy one for you. you can, you've can you proved you catch plenty of them during the day, so why would you do something during the night that you can do during the day?
0: Yeah, it's I love sleep. It's one of those things. <laughs> oh, Finn during the week. Oh, my God, I could have killed him. At first real bad night for a long time during the week. It was bad. We had a shock. Anyway, fishing, <laughs> fishing during the night for gummies. Hey, welcome to my world. Why,
2: why do you've got two kids? Someone once No, I'm not that
0: stupid now. I've decided, Kari, we're not having three or four kids. It's one.
2: Someone once described having two kids to me because Mars was pregnant with Felicity, our second child. So what's it like? And they described it as, imagine you're drowning and someone throws you a child. That's what it's like. You've drowned. just got <laughs> So you're drowning and someone throws your a There you go. Just just add that to your troubles. Just nightmare.
0: Sounds pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the gummy sharks. Fishing at night can be a real prick because sea lice. Yeah. Uh, sea lice are very hard work. Tidal waters, if you get the strong tide running, they can be a little bit less. If you fish the full moon, they're going to be less. New moon, they're going to be bad. Uh but, but there is an old wives' tale to say, if you want to catch gummy sharks, you're
2: you know you're best mm. catching them at night. Yeah, but well,
0: that's not the case. It's 100% not the case. I've never... No, I never now chase them at night. If I was to do anything, it'd be early morning. Like, as in, for instance, I had a tide this time. Say sunrise is around 5.36 at the moment. So say I had a, a tide finishing at 8. I'd be there sort of around that 5, 5.30 as that sun comes up into that tide. But that's probably more to do with the tide. And selected selecting the time of the day for where you fish. So if I'm going to fish in the bay on in Simmons Channel, which is around 10 metres deep, ideally I'm not going to go there in the middle of the day. I'd rather fish that tide in towards dark or, like I said before, in the morning. If I'm fishing 30 metres in the ocean. Gummies are everywhere. You can yeah. you can fish all day for them. But if I'm fishing 10 metres off the back of Sorrento for a gummy, I'm not going to do that in the middle of the day either. I'm going to go out deeper. Yeah. So it just it's more comes down to what you like doing i uh i love my sleep i tell you it's it's a great thing to have sleep and yeah fishing during the night especially overnight it really can it stuffs me i get tired real tired the next day and i don't want to do anything but you will catch don't listen to that wives tale it's it's definitely a wives tale and you will catch gummies through the day you just got to be slightly smarter about how you go about it Fresh bait, catching your wrasse and and whatnot. And you're going to yeah, you have no dramas catching yourself a nice 20 kilo fish.
2: This is real adventures for BF Goodridge. They've made a lot of memories in there, 150 years. Most importantly, driving you to create memories of your own.
1: All aboard for Dometic. From first-time campers to hardcore outdoor adventurers and everything in between, no matter your experience level.
0: Dometic. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for All Aboard. For Dometic, everything you need for adventuring, big or small. And today's guest is Frogley's Priangler, Dan Mackerel. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Az. How are things, mate? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, you've been doing a bit of uh, gallivanting around the coast lately and a bit of fishing in uh, my neck of the woods down at Port Phillip Bay. Take us through your last trip.
3: Yeah. Oh, look, I've, I've just the uh, the experience and knowledge of one Aaron Hadgood's been fairly <laughs> handy, actually. I don't, I don't get down there too often, so... Um, I put the call out. I said, "Mate, I said, give me a time and a place to be." And I said, he gave me GPS coordinates and said, "Anchor up on this this position at this time." And I thought, "Well, last trip I went down there, mate. We had thirty squid in an hour, and then uh, jumped onto one of your whiting spots, and three on board. We had a bag out sixty whiting in just over an hour, mate. It was bloody awesome. So appreciate the heads up, and probably kudos to, to what you guys are doing with Fault Guide. I think it's pretty amazing that you guys we've got all this up to date intel and." Yeah, the proof's in the pudding with that one for me, so well done. Well,
0: with what you just said then, and this is all around the country, as you know, even with your brim fishing you do with your tournaments and whatnot, it's the, it's the timing, isn't it? It's not so much just going to a spot, and that's what we're trying to teach people is not this about what we do, but it's about the importance of being at the right place at the right time, isn't it? And I don't know with what you do with the brim, right time to right spot with your tournament, but I'm sure there's different bite times for brim, like some, some low, low light, things like that.
3: Yeah, definitely, mate. And again, you look at these sort of tidal situations too, like even the, the small estuaries, they don't have much tidal movement, but it can actually have a really big play on on the fish's movements and what they're doing at any given time. So I suppose your knowledge of look working with the flood and the, the dirty water for whiting, I suppose it all it all makes a lot of sense. And I suppose when you go down and do it a bit more, it makes more and more sense every time too. So, Yeah,
0: well, that's learning, that's learning every day when you're fishing. And uh, one thing I want to learn is I can't catch a squid to save my life lately.
3: What did where, where were they? <laughs> um, well, we just launched at St Leonard's, and it was bloody, it was a really nice day, and I was just sort of blown away by how many boats are out. And we just sort of jumped on Google Earth again, found another little grass bed, and we got out there. There's sort of no other boats around, and um, there's a lot of bait fish sort of flicking around on the surface. And it's probably some of the best squid fishing I've seen. Like the fish high up in the water column, in about four meters of water, and you could actually spot the squid chasing the um, the bait schools behind it, so it was probably some of the easiest squid fishing, and probably the most exciting we've done in a while. We had sort of put in behind the, the bait that was getting harassed on the surface, and be four or five squid on the back of it. So, are
0: you in, are you in, in shock with about with not in shock? I know we've you're not too used to a lot of boats in the water, but it's. It's amazing how many boats are actually on the water, isn't it? Because obviously COVID people can't travel. We were in shock coming down to the bay and seeing how many people were actually out. Like, I say it, but to actually see it in yourself, how, yeah. how many boats are out?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, like, there's a lot of popular spots, but in some of those areas, mate, you can nearly hop from boat to boat. <laughs> it's, um, we went down to the bight there at Queenscliff, trying to get some squid on the uh, on the top, top of the tide there at one stage, and it was just, I don't think you could find 50 metres to yourself. It was unbelievable. So we sort of hightailed out of there and tried to find something a bit quieter but obviously with the covid and everything that's going on this way then a lot of people are taking advantage of i suppose what we've got and the beauty of what we have around our local areas so it is good to see but it is very busy
0: take us through the southwest now it's where you do a lot of your fishing sort of around that apollo bay and obviously in the in the lakes and whatnot around there uh what's been yep. biting and how you've been traveling
3: um look it's been really good I thought, like the guys down apollo bay have Doing really well on there the flathead. Um, it's always a bit of a bread and butter species. You pick your pick your weather windows when they're in the mornings when the weather's nice and calm, and you can sort of scoot out anywhere between sort of blanket bay and Skanes Creek. And there's been any amount of flathead around in that twenty five to thirty five meters. Yep. Um, the guys sneaking around to the lighthouse in the know have been doing pretty well with some kingfish. There's been a lot of tuna. Um, I like the tuna, were pretty well right along the coast, actually, right from Portland right through to. Sort um, of Western port. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're very, very well spread. So, um, it's pretty much pick, pick what you want to do and you can really get it done. Like there's, um, probably one of the things I've sort of noticed this year, I'm not sure if it's been in other years, but a lot of the reef fishing at the moment, there's a hell of a lot of nanny guy around. Yeah. And um, the guys are sort of getting out and, um, catching like 10 to a dozen fish. So it's been, it's been really good. And a species that sort of turned up this year, probably a bit more prolific than it has in other years. So. It's just uh, an interesting one. It's certainly good on the table. So
0: now, outside the Portville Bay heads here, the tuna have been pricks to catch. They've been extremely hard. They're only biting in rough weather and whatnot. And when there's no boats, as soon as it's calm, they're just sitting there sunning themselves down the southwest. There are they doing that?
3: Yeah, they do that. And it's look, it is frustrating, but it's also like it's pretty the beauty of that sort of fishing. You can sort of um, do your best to sort of sneak up on the on the schools and. Um, when they switch on, as you know, they'll pretty much eat anything. But geez, it can be frustrating when there's a couple of hundred school uh, tuna just sort of swimming around the circle and it doesn't matter what you're showing, they're just not interested. So um, just the, the fact that they are so prolific and, well, but, you know, they've got to eat. At some point, so they've got to switch on. So if you can work out when that bite window is or if you're there at the right time, um, throwing surface water at a tuna is pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Now, inland, you do a lot of that down sort of Peterborough Way and whatnot. Yep. Uh, take us through what's going on there.
3: Yeah, so they're all all those systems are fishing pretty well. This time of year is really good. Um water warms up, sort of the brim and perch will sort of push right up into the shallows to feed, so um it's a great time to start tying on some surface lures. Um so if you like that sort of visual fishing, uh early morning or late in the evening, it's sort of really conducive to those sort of conditions. But they're all fishing very well. You got the Air River, Hopkins, Boggy Creek, all those systems, all on the coast they're fishing exceptionally well at the moment. Any signs of Malloway? Um, not so much actually. It's more I actually prefer to chase them all away when it's a bit cooler and the water's a bit dirtier, so I think most of this, this time of year I spend most of my time fishing in less than a metre of water, so um yeah,
1: okay.
3: I don't sort of yeah, I don't sort of come across they'll be there. There's no doubt they're there. Um but they don't sort of frequent the shallows as much as they do in the, the winter months, so uh
0: now You've got right down to Portland, obviously, too. The tuna are going off Julia Percy there, as well as the yep. kingfish. You did mention the kingfish up right, <coughs> around the shank. Uh, sorry, not down the shank. What's it called? Down the Otway there under the lighthouse. Yep. Uh, yeah. Are you fishing the same techniques those guys are doing up there, or are you doing things a little bit different?
3: Um, I think all techniques work. I think they're probably the most frustrating thing about the Cape Otway lighthouse and kingfish down there is they seem to always be mixed in with big schools of uh, barracuda. So I think oh. the only friend of the barracuda the only friend of them is the, uh, the tackle shop owners. So the golf show jigs are, um, donating a lot of corn each day on those. So if you can work out where to catch your, uh, slimy mackerel and yakkers, that's probably your, your best way to target them. Um, because you're fishing sort of deeper water out there off the lighthouse, um, they don't seem to get to the surface as much as they do off, uh, like in the shore and those sort of things as well. So, um, it's sort of deep water sort of fishing with your live baits and jigs and soft plastics if you can. And then, yeah, obviously trying to work out and differentiate your schools between the, the kingfish and barracuda. So,
0: very good. Well, that's all the news from the southwest. That was Dan Mackerel Frogley's pro angler, and that was all aboard. Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat
1: with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS
0: to see if this insurance is right for you. It's now time for Red's review, and the review today is coming off the back of what we've been speaking about throughout the show, my trip down to Port Welshpool, and today it's the Dometic PJS 118 portable jump starter, because when I headed down there, we nothing worse than having a flat battery, and I'm not talking about getting to the ramp, that wasn't going to be the issue, we were staying on the boat a couple of nights, so... Obviously, when I'm traveling throughout the day, the alternator's doing its thing, it's charging and whatnot. But when I'm anchored up in the cove there, having a couple of beers with a mate, just sitting there relaxing, enjoying our steaks that we cooked, the live bait pump's still going, we're catching liveies and yakis having a bit of fun. That pump's going, bilge pump might come on here and there, you might turn lights on, some people have got underwater lights. So that can be a worry with draining your battery. Yes, there's two batteries in my boat, dual battery system, and I did select it to one battery and left the other one for uh Obviously, you just start the engine the next day. But in the back of your head, it's just always there going, crap. Is it charged or is the boat charged or is everything going to be okay? Is the engine going to start? So by having the portable jump starter pack in your boat from Dometic, I think it's a must. You might be able to help someone else out down the boat ramp as well who rocks up for their trip and they've travelled two hours and they get down there and their battery is dead and you'll be able to lend this to them and they'll be able to jump start their boat. I'm sure they'll go out and buy one. One thing that I do like about uh, this uh, jump starter pack in particular is the built-in LED torch. Now, boat batteries can be in the most inconvenient spots at times. They can be tucked away in the wells at the back. They can be in all sorts of different spots, but it's got a built-in LED torch, which, like I said, batteries aren't always in the light. And when you've got dead batteries, the light comes in handy. So it's got the torch attached to it, which is just literally uh, pressed with a a button on the side, which activates it. It's got uh, different voltage buttons. You can adjust to what voltage you do want to use. It's seriously easy charging. It's literally USB, so it's... Just convenient. You don't have to uh, have carry around massive leads or anything like that. It's literally just a small USB charger. It's got an LED screen which displays the status of your charge and your voltage indicator as well. And it also comes with everything you need. And what I mean by that, your alligator eight clips, A-clips, your 12-volt charger, and it comes with a storage case, which I think... Is a must to have on a boat. Like you don't want you want to have a case, a good case that comes with one of these because obviously salt and whatnot on the boat can be a pain in the backside. It wrecks everything. So if you are going to leave it on the boat in itself. Make sure that you do uh, use the case, but if you're going to leave it at home and take it out, take it out just when you go fishing, which isn't a bad option to do. Because the missus, I've used it on her car. I haven't used it on the boat yet, but I've used it on her car, and it started with these. And I, let, I just I leave mine in the shed, and when I do trips like this, I tend to take it with me more often rather than leaving it in the boat because it's not too cheap, but it's not expensive. They're around hundred and sixty nine dollars, which it's not a lot of money for something that's like could when you stuck out in the ocean it could start your battery so I think money doesn't do any money isn't a factor when it comes to this so this is the Dometic PJS 118 it's the portable jump starter so make sure you do check it out head to uh, Dometic.com and check out all the further information that you need to get yourself a jump back
1: that was Red's Review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski this summer? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years. It's time for Reds Tip Redmond.
0: This week, Pat, it comes off the back of probably every conversation that we have with anyone regarding kingfish. And we're going to, we're going to do it again. And it's about looking like an echidna or a porcupine. And that's <laughs> what I, having everything ready to go. Now, I just target them during the week. And my whole plan was to catch them on live baits. Now, it's all right when you have live baits and everything's. Good, and they're eating your live baits, but what about when they're on the surface away from you and they're tailing through the water nicely and you can't you can't get close enough with your live baits? You need to be able to cast to them. So what I'm trying to say is have everything ready. It's about getting ready the night before, not when you're on the boat. So we got up there on the Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night to fish, and when we were up there to fish, when we are up there unpacked the boat, everything was out of the boat, I said boys alright let's sit down, have a beer, we went down to the pub, had a nice meal, and then I said let's go back, get everything ready, I literally sat 264,000 rods down on the side of the room, I said to the boys, that one's for this, this one's for that, that one's for this, this one's for that, and there's certain reasons why, one's a casting rod, I can cast further distance, it's got a nice taper on it, so when you the fish is fighting far from you, you've got the nice angle but you've also got a nice pull when it's pulling down at the boat, then I've got my live bait rods which are quite strong heavy rods so when they grab it at the boat near the bottom I can stop them from getting to the bottom and then you've also got your jigging rods which is specified jigging rods to catch kingfish so but they'll have obviously different
2: weighted jigs so you need a few of them so they're yep. just bang ready
0: to go everything needs to be ready I had everything rigged up so I had almost my casting. Uh, my bungee cast on I had I had a bungee cast I had a popper on which I don't like poppers for kingfish but I had it to attract that's what I had it out there for I had I had two jig rods for the boys to jig because I'm not stupid enough to jig until the fish eat. Then I'll jig because it's too hard. But (laughs) then I've got – the light. I had three live bait rods ready to go as well and just a couple of others, bits and pieces. I obviously had rods to catch bait that I had to rig to, burly cages. Everything was ready to go. So don't get up on the boat because there's nothing worse going, crap, there's the kingfish. And the thing with kingfish is they can be there. And if you hook that one fish, you could catch them for the next one and a half hours. You could catch them for it and have the time of your life. If you're tying knots and you're trying to follow these fish and all of a sudden they disappear, they are gone. You might not see them for the rest of your trip and that's your trip done. So you've gone from landing 12 kingfish to catching none in two days fishing. So be ready, have everything ready. And the reason that we repeat this is I get a hell of a lot of emails, messages through our social media platforms, through our Real Adventures app gets hammered with this question. It's about making, it's about what do you use for kingfish? What did you use? What do you use for kingfish? I use everything, and everything's ready to go before I go out and fish. Rather than quickly going, oh bang! I need to tie this
2: knot. What's the balance of of having a a casting rod rigged and ready to go that has really minimal pounded? So say fifteen to twenty pound line in order to get your extra distance in case every time you're coming up on the kingfish or whatever fish it might be. So what's the they're just spooking. So, how low will you go in order to give yourself an actual chance at catching?
0: As in line class, line class. Uh, I correct. was running. So, the fish that were on the service weren't big. Uh, uh, so, I, I actually, I just once again I'm going to contradict what I said, but I did not drop into forty pounds. So, I had eighty on them, yep. but I ended up dropping to forty because once I seen, I could see him. I stood up on the side of the, the north bank and I, I could see him that weren't big fish. So, I dropped down to forty pound leader, and on my rod... the boys were using the thirty pound rods in the in the braid. But to be honest with you, that I find with kings and tuna, when they're going to eat, they're pretty much going to eat, yeah. and it's more to get the bite. Sometimes they can be fin, they can be finicky at times. But I find when they're finicky, they tend to be not on. They're not, they're done. Like you're not going to catch them. It's when they're with the way you're winding that bungee casting, and it's it, you. It, it works really well with forty pound leader. So that's why. The popper was a bit heavier, but I only used the popper to drag him over to the boat. they come over and say, what the hell is that splash? And the best example Gwaine has ever said is they are like cats. Like, if I threw a ball over there the cat and had it on a string and pulled it over to me, it'd come over and it'd play with it and then it'd probably scratch it six times. And the kingfishers was the same thing. I, casted, I actually cast the popper over and the boy's... Uh, and then Mitch casted the uh, the stick bait. He hooked up, and then Zane went straight to the jig under the boat. And we we're in about thirty meters. And he dropped the jig down, and then Zane was on the jig. So what I did was the popper brought him over, the stick bait also brought him over, but hooked up, and the fish come with that popper. Then Zane hooked up on the jig. So back to your more your point, rather with the casting distance as well, is I was actually light on with braid on a couple of rods. So uh, I was trawling the other week out of uh, out of Point Lonsdale here, where we got those tuna, and I had a I had a felt like a 104-way tangle. It's only three rods, but it was just an absolute... (laughs) You should have seen it. There was line everywhere. It was a mess. I actually had a couple of rods that were quite light on with line, and one of them was my casting rod, and it was probably half spooled by the time I'd lost 100 metres of it because I literally... It was stuffed. And uh, I I, I said the first thing... Zane's like, oh, I'd be right. We're only catching, like, king. They're only... Like, nah, we need to... If those kings have been pricks and I can't get close enough with the boats maneuver the boat over to them... I want to have that extra 20 metres of cast. So the, filler, the fuller you have the, your spool of line, your spool of yep. line whatever it is, the, uh, the the further you can cast because it comes off the reel a lot nicer than when it's quite low. So that's what you want to do. Uh, people will say, this comes back to putting your line on your reel. People will say, oh, get it on nice and tight. But once you cast that line out once... It's going to come back at whatever your your rate is on your your are working that bungee cast anyway. So keep the keep it nice and full. Have the line that matches the reel. So a thirty pound line matched my I think it was a six thousand uh, Stradic I had on it. So a lighter reel, not running the saragosas because the saragosas is quite a heavy chunky reel. They're not as nice. To they're not as nice though, to and like cast. And I just think those stratics are a great fan. I think they're for price. Like you can go get your five thousand stellars and whatnot, but you're paying twelve hundred bucks. Where when you when I've literally got a hundred of them. I can't afford that much in reels, so it's no. it's literally 300 a bucks, whatever they are, give or take, Um and you can get yourself a quality reel that I've caught. I've I've had these set for two seasons now, and I think one's played up on me because I literally that one that we had that big fish on down yep. in Hogs Creek that time. That's the yep. only we've caught forty kilo kingfish on those five thousand. Uh, sorry, forty kilo um tuna. Yeah, we've caught literally last year. Well, I would have landed no no exaggeration, well over 50 tuna outside of and Heads, all pretty much on those 5,000 stratics. And they're still going today. So they're a good reel to buy. They're nice to cast with. But when I trawl and whatnot, I like to have those saragosas that are more girthy and stronger in the basically stronger in the backside. So that there, be ready for your kingfish. That's the tip. Beautiful work. It's time for
2: the flying gaff. And you you always know when Nick Curios is sort of trending on Twitter and social media and alike. like, Two things have happened, there's controversy somewhere or he said something and (laughs) unusually he's he's fired everyone up for the right reason in absolutely going to town on Novak Djokovic and quite a few of the professional tennis players that have landed in Australia and complained about their lockdown conditions. Well, the last time that we checked, um, the country and the world's been in lockdown and as Victorians, there's been plenty. You, Redmond, are a great example, I sort of... uh,
0: and I got it Gallivanted
2: off. up north. Well, I got it off but a little you'd bit easier. But you've been in lockdown than... for years. I got for... off a bit easier than the Melbourne crew, too. So the, uh, the flying gaff this week goes to anyone complaining about lockdowns. Uh, get... Get Headlines now Dangerfield
0: gaffs at Djokovic. <laughs>
2: get real because we're going fishing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Real Adventures brought to you by BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years.